welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Morning, man. So good to see all of you. Uh, Man, I'm pumped for today, excited uh, about picking back up in this series as we move into chapter two uh, of A Greater Story where we're looking at uh, the idea of covenant. And so I saw many of you, man, first time guests, man, I'm pumped that you're here. Uh, My name's Buck and I have the privilege of serving uh, as the lead pastor here. And you'll find uh, we're a very simple church focused on uh, connecting people to Jesus. And like Satilia shared with us, next weekend we get to celebrate five people that have said yes uh, to Christ. And so we're pumped about that, cannot wait. But today um, we're going to be looking at the idea uh, of covenant. And so Jim read the passage with us, uh, Exodus 19, 1 through 6, and uh, God about to give us the Ten Commandments. But really what I want to do today, uh, if, you can, um, if you can really zone in, there's three things. One, uh, I pray that you would see God as he is, uh, that we would see ourselves as we are, and we would see Christ for what he's done, right? And really those three things uh, are going to be the, the message today. But I, I want to start out with a little bit of a story, first of all. Um, can we just honor our teachers in the house and online? Can we just say thank you for what you do? We're praying for you. And, uh, and I come from teaching world, right? Before I planted, uh, we planted the church, um, I, I served as a history teacher and a high school coach. Um, so I know, and man, you have such an opportunity to influence uh, so many lives. And so, no, we value our teachers, uh, we pray for them. So I want to start out my sermon with giving you guys a little bit of advice. And so let me take you back uh, to 23-year-old me. Um, uh, very, very familiar at that age with uh, the, the practice room. Very familiar uh, with being a coach, like uh, getting on folks, chewing folks out, and, and really giving my tough side. Right? Like to wrestle for me, you had to be pretty tough. But man, when I got into the classroom, I was a history major, and I really had no clue what in the world I was doing. Right? And so I got dealt the beautiful hand of teaching ninth graders, right? If you're familiar with ninth graders, um, if I could take you, they're just starting to learn to put on deodorant at this age, right? So um, it, it is a sanctifying experience, to say the least. Uh, but, but my goal was this. I said, you know, man, I, I think I just want to be the cool teacher. I'm going to be the friendly guy. And you got to think at 23, man, I was, I was pretty young. Hey, I'll tell you all, this is so embarrassing. But um, I got the kids' trays at lunch for my first two weeks of work, right? Um, so, so I definitely needed to get some, some, some authoritarian about me. But man, my goal was to be the cool teacher. So I came in, and kids came in, and I said, hey, man, my name's uh, Mr. Buck. You can, you can call me that and this, that, and the other. And, and I said, man, I, we're going to have an awesome time. And all I showed them was my friendly side. Like, all I showed them was like this, man, I'm just going to befriend you guys, and we got some rules. They're not really that important, um, but, but we're going we're gonna to learn some history. It's going to be awesome. And so they were all jacked. And I'm like, my plan was working to perfection for like three days. They're like, man, I, I even asked them, I think, I said, who's the coolest teacher in school? Man, you, Mr. Buck, you are awesome. You're the coolest. Um, and then instruction starts the next week, and like, when I asked them to sit down and be quiet, they're like, whoa, 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 we ain't signed up for this. Listen. Um, and man, it was the worst year of my life. Uh, those kids ran all over me. 
Um, I mean, it was a constant. I mean, every day was a, was a fight. And so uh, what I want to say about that is that I really did have their best intention in mind. Like, I really cared for those kids. I, I didn't go into teaching to get a paycheck. I, I really wanted to make a difference. And I thought that the best thing I could do for them is not be like one of these crusty old mean teachers, but I was going to be the nice guy. But what I began to realize is not only did I suffer that first year, but they suffered that first year. You know why? Because I had not revealed to them who I actually was, that I was a person of authority who was to lead them, to guide them, and to direct them. Man, I wrote up tons of kids, and they suffered a lot of, of, of suffering and punishment because they could not see me as I was, which is one of authority, and that these rules I had given them, this leadership that I was giving them, was for their own good. That one, they would pass the ninth grade, but two, they would learn history, and three, they would stay out uh, of trouble. And so what I want you to know today is this, is for us to receive the good things God has for us, we have to first see God for who he actually is. Make sense? And so we have to see God for who he is uh, as one to be revered, to be feared, and one in authority, or we will never see uh, his love for us. And what I want you to know, no matter where you came in here today at Connection Church, man, I want you to know, man, we, we believe that God can meet you where you are, and I want you to know that he loves you. He loves you, and I'm about to share the message of how he proved that he loves all of us, okay? And it's not a matter of if he loves, but it's a matter of how we have responded to his love, all right? And that's really going to be a lot of what I'm talking about today. Um, but, but let me bring you into the story, uh, Exodus 19. Um, we are looking at the continuation of where we left off. If you're new to this story, a greater story, I would encourage you uh, to go on our podcast or website to go back and catch up. But where we left off, um, we see that Israel, the people of God, were in bondage. They were enslaved in Egypt. And God, out of his love for his people, raised up a man named Moses who went into Egypt, performed uh, uh, ten miraculous signs and wonders, and brought them out. Right, And then when he brought them out, uh, they were chased by the Egyptians, wanting to bring them back into slavery. But they got to the Red Sea, and God, through Moses, Moses lifted up his staff, God parted the Red Sea, and the people of God walked right through. Right, And so we talked about uh, all the illustrations and that Moses is a picture of Jesus, that that's what he shows us. So now uh, Moses has completed the first mission he got. If you'll remember, uh, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush at the foot of a mountain, and he said, the ground you're on is holy ground. Remember, we talked about it's weird that, that, that a burning bush just started talking to him, right? Like, I may be not running, running into that. I'm probably running the other way, right? But that's how God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, and he says, you're going to bring my people, and you're going to worship at this mountain. And so now we have approached the mountain. And what I want you to know from the previous story, three things about God. One, that God is faithful. God promised that his people would come to the mountain and worship, and they have come, right? And we're about to talk about that. Secondly, God provided, and, and that we didn't have time to read it all, but if you'll go back in Exodus 16 and 17, they got out in the desert, and brother, they didn't have no food. They didn't have no water. And so what God did is he created and had manna, which is bread from heaven. Literally, they would wake up, God's people, and there would be little wafers on the ground that was food for the day. Right? And so God showed them that if you'll trust me and follow me, I'll be your provision to get you where you're going. We also see that Moses struck a rock and God provided water. And so we see that God has provided, he is faithful. And then now today, 
God is going to reveal his holiness. You might want to take that down with you. We're going to see God's holiness, right? And I'm not a big sermon titler uh, per se, but I want to uh, really say that today is a tale of two mountains. So the people of God have come to this mountain called Sinai. And what I want you to know, if you can understand Mount Sinai, Okay, if you can understand, if we can come to the point where we understand Sinai, we're going to understand Mount Calvary. And what Mount Calvary is, is where Jesus went to the cross. But we will never embrace Mount Calvary if we don't see Mount Sinai. So today is really important. Man, I don't care kind of where you come from today. I'm telling you, lock in. We're about to get uh, going. And so we have to see God fully to embrace the, to embrace the gospel fully. The tale of two mountains. We have to see Mount Sinai before we can see Mount Calvary. We have to see God before we can see Jesus fully as what he did for us. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. So first thing I want you to see, number one, if you're taking notes, see God. I want you to see God as he actually is. I want you to see God as he actually is. So let's look in our passage um, and, and look at verse number two. It says, uh, after breaking camp at Rephidim, it says they came to the wilderness at Sinai and set up a camp there at the base of Mount Sinai. So they weren't going up the mountain. They were a distance away from the mountain. They set up camp. These are God's people. Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And he called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to uh, the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own uh, special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth belongs to me. Verse 6, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people uh, of Israel. And so what, what happens here is he says, hey, I'm about to give you instructions uh, of how to live, right? And what he does after this in the rest of verse 19, he says, Moses, I want you to set up a boundary around this mountain, okay? And I'm telling you to set up this boundary because if anyone other than you or Aaron comes across this boundary, that they're not gonna be able to withstand my presence and they're gonna die, right? I mean, he said, it don't matter who it was, older person, younger person, animal, if you touch this thing, like, you're going to die. And the reason why is because our God is a God of purity and holiness. And so if anything that wasn't pure and holy came into his presence, it could not withstand uh, his goodness. In fact, the priest here, um, he, he tells the priest uh, to go wash thoroughly and in this day, if you were a priest, and the people of Israel like, you had to bathe and bathe and bathe. You had to have on perfect white linens. He even said you couldn't have uh, relations with someone for days before coming into the presence, right? Now, now one, if, if you guys know me, um, I'm not a model of hygiene, okay? Um, and, and so I think coffee is just getting going good when it's been in the pot for about three days, right? It's, it's really simmering, you know? So, so your boy probably drops dead in the camp, right? I, I'm not making it close, to the boundary, but even the cleanest of clean could not even get to the base of the mountain. The cleanest of clean, those that clean themselves up the best they can, he said, Moses, keep them at the boundary because they cannot withstand uh, my, my holiness. And so um, the, the, this is the, the kind of thing we see. And one I want you to ask, like, why would God reveal himself 
in this way? Why would God reveal himself in a way that is fearful? Well, I want to look in, in chapter 20, verse 18. I want you to turn there. And, and let me give you some context. We're going to go back and read. But he's just given the Ten Commandments. Like God spoke to Moses in his voice, the people trembled in fear. And he gave Moses the Ten Commandments on tablets, and he's going to come down the mountain. But the people at the camp just heard his voice and saw the lightning and the thunder. And I want you to see what Moses tells them. Verse 18. It says, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling in fear. So think about that. That many of us are like, man, I'd sure like to see God. Well, listen, every time anyone comes into the presence of God, it, it is not a friendly thing. It is one of reverence and fear fear at someone that is so good, so pure, so holy, that, that man, I do not deserve to be here. It's a fearful thing uh, to come into the presence, and that's what God is teaching the people, that he is one to be feared and revered. Remember, we have to see God for who he is before you and I are about to embrace what he's done. This is the God we serve. Verse 19, it says, and then, and they said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us, and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. What he's saying is, Moses, we need you to be a mediator. We need you to be the go-between because if I come into the presence, man, we're going to die. Like, we are not worthy to be in his presence. Now, verse 20, this is what Moses is teaching them. He says, don't be afraid. There's reverence, right? But these are God's people. And I'm going to talk you all through this. But he says, don't be afraid, Moses answered them. For God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. What he's saying is, man, what he desires is for us to see him as he is, not only for his own glory and worship, but for our good. You remember the classroom story, right? That if I, I wasn't seen as I was intended to be seen, and therefore they suffered and I suffered. Well, check this out. Man, God loves you, and he's going to prove that to you through his word today. But listen, um, when we do not obey the directives God has for us, we will indeed suffer. Right? He is the creator God. He is the God of the universe. And out of love for us, he revealed himself to the people of Israel as he actually was. Right, And that's not a teddy bear, but I'm talking about the reverent God of the universe who right now as we breathe has the authority to give or take breath. The God who is sovereign in all he does. And so I want to explain this. What this does um, is dispels uh, a theology that we build the God we want. Now, somebody enlighten me after the service. What is up with Build-A-Bear? You guys familiar with Build-A-Bear? Oh, we, we, we went by the other day. Where were we at? We were in um, Myrtle Beach. And um, this summer... And, dude, the Build-A-Bear, like, they're out the wall of that thing. I mean, the kids just love it. I don't get it, right? Uh, uh, but in Build-A-Bear, I've, I've learned that the kids get to go in, and they basically get to build the bear. They get to create the bear they want. The colors, the schemes, the, the, I guess the nose. I don't, I've never built a bear. But, um, but they get to build the image that they want. Well, what I believe is this. We live in a culture, one of the dangerous theologies we have uh, is a Build-A-Bear theology. And what that means is, is that we uh, build the God that fits us, that feels good to us, um, that we build a God that builds into our thoughts on how life should go, right? And any God that offends what we think is not God, 
right? And so what, what happens is, um, is we begin to build a, a God who does not exist, Right? And what God is saying is, man, this is so very dangerous. And what happens um, that supports the Build-A-Bear theology is we skip over the difficult parts of the Bible, the, 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 where we see God in awe and reverence, because, man, we don't, we don't want to offend people. But understand, until we see him for who he is, we'll never see the gospel. And we'll never worship him fully. Right? And so, man, when, when in the Old Testament, you're going to see that God is very serious about justice. He's very serious about sin. He's very serious um, about justice and judgment. But what he's showing us is half the coin, right? That on the front end, this is who he is, but until we embrace who he is, we'll never worship him for what he's done. Make sense? So what we're going to see is God for who he is. And listen, I know, man, this is not a great... Uh, church growth tactic, right? Uh, man, it's so much easier. Build-A-Bear grows big churches. But listen, God as he is grows great disciples. Hear that one more time. Build-A-Bear grows uh, masses, but man, the God of the Bible makes disciples that make disciples. Amen? And so, so you guys know that's who we are, what we're about. Like, we love Jesus and we love you enough to walk you through the truth. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, why does God call us to, to, to fear and see him as he is? Number one, I want you to take this down. It is the key for obedience, right? To obey God is to believe that he cares about obedience. Like if we think God does not care what we do or don't do, man, we're going to do whatever we want, right? And so if we do not fear and revere, I know for me, man, I'm not on autopilot to go live out the faith, right? I don't know if anybody else is, but we have to see God as he is to obey. Secondly, Seeing God as he is is the key to fighting sin. So if we believe that God is a friend who loves us no matter what we do, no matter what sin we get into, that we can just sprinkle magic fairy dust on our problems and we're all good, we're not going to fight sin, right? It's like, a, it's like a, a genie in a bottle type thing. And so if, if we believe that God is all the time just, just whoever we want him to be, man, we're going to live in sin. And guess what? If that's the God of the Bible, shoot, I'd go out there with you, right? But no, what we have to see is God for who he is, that he's very serious about sin. And next, this is huge. Seeing God as he is is the key to worship. It's the key to worship. The reason we sing songs that we sing is we are reflecting on who God is, but what he has done for us in Jesus. And so if we never see a God who showed us great mercy and love because of who he is and his reverence, like we're never gonna sing and worship Jesus. It's the key. And then lastly, it's the key to a relationship with Jesus. We can't truly love Jesus until we see uh, God in his full picture, right? And so it's so huge. So I wanna ask you a question, and, and this is the, the tough part of the coin, right? Tough part of the coin is to hear that we have a God who is absolutely pure and holy, that we in and of our best cannot come into his presence. So I want you to take this question with you. Do you, have a view, do you have a view of God that is congruent with the Bible? Do you have a view of God that is congruent with the God of the Bible? Or do you have a view of God that is who you want him to be? Hear that one more time. So do you have a view of God that, hey, I'm coming bare before the Bible and I wanna know who God is or is there a preset disposition of who God is, right? And what I want to encourage you with is, um, I, I can't remember, somebody famous, I can't keep up with them all. Somebody said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Hear that one more time. What we think about God, who we think he is, 
is the most important question we could ever ask ourselves, all right? Now, secondly, let's move forward. We have to see ourselves for who we are, right? Um, and, and I'm going to read to you, starting in, uh, and I'm not going to read it all, but I want to read uh, chapter 20, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read uh, a couple passages. So we see Moses at the foot of the mountain, all the people of God at the mountain. They've consecrated themselves. None of them can come into God's presence. God calls Moses up the hill, and they're thinking like, dude, he ain't going to make it, right? So Moses goes up the hill, smoke and fire and all these things, like, like lightning and all this crazy stuff, and God gives him these instructions on a tablet to take to the people. And this is what it says. It says, and God gave the people all of these instructions. One, he says, verse two, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. Number three, it says, you must not have any other God but me. And so I'm gonna stop there and I'm gonna summarize the last the, less, uh, the, the rest of the commandments. But how many of you say you're familiar with the commandments? At least that, you know, you've probably seen them in a courtroom or you've seen them. Well, there's a lot of talk about, well, what is the purpose of the commandments? I want to give you three quick things, and then I want to give you the full, full purpose of the commandments. So the first thing is this. The commandments were teaching them how to live as a covenant community. They had been in slavery for 400 years, right? They had been in the, the slavery of, of, of Pharaoh. They didn't know how to live as free people. And so God said, this is how it's gonna go well for you, and this is how you can please me, right? Uh, if you will follow the commands, um, this is how to please me. Secondly, God desired them to live a joyful life. What he's saying is, I'm God, and uh, how, how to, to live these out is going to go well for you. I'll be honest with you. Those that feel like the Ten Commandments are, are a burden, uh, listen, go out and uh, immerse someone and see how well life goes, right? I mean, it's just kind of simple. You know, go out and commit adultery. And I think that's a lot of the people that, that if we don't desire uh, faithfulness to God, and it's like, man, you know, God, God's oppressing me. If you've ever been a part and ministered to a broken family because of sin, you'd have a different view. And that, my heart gets broken very often. Not because God's bad, God's good. We just mess it up and he gives us a directive. So sometimes the 10 commandments gets a bad rap because they actually are for our good. And secondly, it's, uh, uh, thirdly, uh, God wanted the world to see him through the people. He said, man, this is how you will live holy, by following the commandments, right? And he wanted the world to see himself through how the people lived. And then fourthly, this is huge. God wanted to fellowship with them. God wanted to fellowship with his people. What he's saying is, man, like this is who I am. This is what I want you to do. And the reason why you do it is because I want to be with you. I love you. I want to be in fellowship with you. You know, many times we see God as this, this standoffish, oh, and he is to be feared and revered. That's half the coin. But understand his love is even more ferocious and that he desired to be with his people. He's like, man, I, I want you to follow this because if I let sin in, like I'm not holy or good or pure anymore. But because I want to be with you, here's what I want you to do, and my desire is to walk among you, to bless you, for you to be a holy people, and I'll be your God. And what we see is the covenant form, right? Like, I'm gonna be with you. And he says, I want you to be with me. And because if you will obey these commands, man, I'm going to roll with you. I'm going to defeat nations. I'm going to establish you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. 
And listen, God has never failed on his promises. You guys hear me? He's never failed, but listen who went the other way. It was the people of God. It was the people of God who disobeyed. It wasn't that God was bad. Man, God's good. They just went the other way. And what I want you to know about the commandments is this. Because if they'd have fully followed, God would have established and the world would have seen who he was through the people. But what we learn when we look at the whole of the Bible, I want you to take this down. The fullfold purpose of the commandments wasn't to make us perfect, but to reveal our brokenness. Hear that one more time. The fullfold purpose of the commandments was not to make us perfect, but to reveal our brokenness. You say, but what does that mean? Well, we're going to take a little test. Man, school teachers, y'all feel like it's sessions in, but even before tomorrow starts, right? What we're going to take is the Ten Commandments test. So right now, um, if you took the Ten Commandments test, how well would you say you'd score? Would you say you'd make like a 50, a 30? Man, I'd make a 90, bro. Man, I've been living right, right? But what I want to show you is that all of us don't score so well. So let's, let's talk about commandment number one. Have no other gods before me. You say, Buck, I don't do any devil worship. I don't, I don't worship other gods, so I, I think I'm doing pretty good. Well, let me ask you the question. Into God's holy and pure standard, uh, have you ever loved something for a day, 10 minutes, more than you love God? Ever. Have you ever loved something else? Man, I hate to say it. We're a no on commandment one. We're, we're 0 for 1. But hey, we got, we got nine more shots. Got you guys with me? Take out your little pen, man. You, you say some of you competitive guys, like, I'm going to get it. I'm going to score 40. All right. Number two, it says don't make and worship idols. We say, Buck, I don't have Buddhas or anything in my house. Like, I'm, I'm good. I think I'm doing well. Listen, have you ever had an object that caused you to love and cherish it more or walk away from God and not love him? For just a minute, two minutes. If he's holy and pure, we're not, and we're, we're 0 for 2. Number three, some of you may think we're in this. Don't misuse the Lord's name. He said, boy, I've been working on my cussing, brother. I'm doing better, right? I've been working on my cussing. I can't stand it when people say, you know, GD, whatever. Well, listen, this goes much deeper than if you used any language that has not been a reflection of the God who lives in you. Any language, right? Not, not just cursing, but I mean talking, maybe it was a joke. Maybe it was talking gossiping about someone. If so, if we are carriers of God, we have broken the commandment. it, we're over three. Number four, observe the Sabbath. Keep it holy. That means we have a day set apart for rest. We do nothing. Well, listen, the Sabbath not only goes to a day, but it's the concept of consecrating our first and our best to God. Have you ever given back to God fully? Are you 100% on your tithes your whole life? Because that's what a true Sabbath looks like. gum, brother, I'm out. 0 for 4, right? Darn it. We're not doing so hot. Number five, honor your father and mother. This one's pretty short. I've made my dad mad. Let's move forward, right? All right. No, number six, uh, do not murder. Now here, finally, we got one. And man, if you don't have this one, we need to chat, right? <laughs> but I haven't murdered. Well, listen, Jesus makes it very clear in Matthew, and he's doing something in the whole of the scripture. You're like, man, I've never murdered anyone. I'm good. He says, if you've ever had hatred in your heart towards someone, you've committed murder already. Dang it. We're over, what, six, seven? Six, seven, do not commit adultery. Yeah, this is a tough one. You know, and you're like, man, well, I've, I've stayed pure. I've stayed inside the covenant. Well, Jesus shows us again in the gospels. He says, if you've ever had a lustful thought towards someone, you've committed adultery already. Mm, I'm, I'm guilty. 
0 for 7. Number eight, you must not steal. Hey, listen, if you spent 10 minutes scrolling Facebook at work, brother, you stealing, right? And God's holiness, that makes that one easy. Can we all agree we're good on that one, right? And number 10, you must not covet. Uh, let me just say this, women, um, I believe HGTV was created to make men suffer and uh, for us to constantly have a nice enough house or yard. Amen? Men, can I get an amen for HGTV, right? Coveting machine, turn it on, whatever channel it is, right? So, but what I want you to know is when we look at the purity and the holiness of God, we cannot fully keep the commands because their purpose was not that we could obey them fully, but that it would reveal our brokenness. James 2.10 says this. In fact, if you think you're doing well, the Bible says in James 2.10, for the person who keeps all the law except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. That means if we've fallen short at one time, we are guilty of them all. I I want you to know this, okay? Before a holy God and before his holy commandments, we cannot stand in his presence on our own. We cannot be good enough to get there because, listen, the purpose of the law wasn't to save us. The the ultimate design was to show us our brokenness, right? That is the ultimate design. See, God uh, said and showed us that no one could ever ascend the mountain. Right? He said, you, you guys can't concentrate, consecrate yourselves enough to get up the mountain. Well, what did he do? He selected a man. He selected a man named Moses to go up the mountain. Right? So you say, why did God select Moses? Because if you'll remember back in a greater story, Moses is a snapshot of Jesus. Hear that one more time. What God was wanting to do with Moses is to point us to Jesus. And I want you to read with me Romans 3, 11 through 20. Because maybe, maybe you've been enslaved to, my, my hope for salvation is in me, how well I've done who I am. So listen, um, R- Romans 3, start in verse 11. It says, no one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. It says, all have turned away and become useless. No one does good, not a single one. I want you to stop right there. I want you to think about the most morally good person you know. The, the, the best behavior, the most, if anybody was getting into heaven, is that person for how good they are. We live in a culture where, man, that's a good dude. He'd give the shirt off his back, or that's a a good woman. And so we see through a moral lens. But remember, in a perfectly holy and pure God, this is who we are. It says this. It says, their talk is foul, like a stench from an open grave. Their tongues are filled with lies. Snake venom drips from their lips. It says, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They rush to commit murder. Destruction and misery always follow them. They don't know where to find peace. They have no fear of God at all. And what God's doing is he has taken some Psalms and some of his word, and what he's saying is the best moral person you can think about, not because they're not good by our standards, but by God's holy standard, this is what hides in all of our hearts. The very best person you know, that is a description. Not because, again, our own moral convictions that people are good, but it's because of who God is and his purity, his holiness, his reverence, that we have no way to come to him on our own. Because see, verse 19, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. You might want to star highlight that. The purpose is to say that no one in the entire earth is righteous by our own, our own ability. No one. Now listen to verse 20. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. 
The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And that's so important. When I was a kid, I played a lot of sports. And with a lot of sports come a lot of injuries. And, um, and I fractured my ankle. I didn't know it was fractured at the time. But what they do is they rush me up to the ER. And, man, I was in terrible pain. I mean, I was one of my growth plates. I was maybe 13, and, and I needed it fixed. Like, I needed somebody to, I mean, coding. I need something, medicine and fixing, right? And so I rushed, and the first thing they did is they rushed me to the x-ray machine. And what does an x-ray machine do? What it did is revealed that I had a broken bone. But what that x-ray machine was unable to do is to relieve my pain and to fix my ankle. Well, in the same way, what the law was given is not so you could find a way to hopefully one day be good enough for God to accept you in heaven. No, what God's doing is wanting to run us through the x-ray machine and show us that we are broken people. And so, listen, take this with you, okay? Um, if, if we don't see, and, and listen, the law reveals to us the problem, but it'll never provide the cure. Hear that again. The law provides the problem, exposes the problem, but the law could never provide the cure. And so you say, Buck, I, I, listen, I, you just read the Ten Commandments. I'm sitting under conviction right now. How can I get right with God? If God is on that holy mountain, and, and no one, not even priests, not even people that are good people, can go up the mountain. How do I get made right with God? Number three, take this down. If you've tuned me out, I want you to lean in. We have to see Christ for what he's done. We have to see him because you can't be made right apart from him. And this is where the gospel becomes beautiful. One of my favorite songs, it's called The Songs of Ascent. I think Hillsong sings it. It says, who could dare ascend that mountain? I couldn't. On my best day, I couldn't go up the holy mountain of God. On my best day, I couldn't make it up the mountain. Listen, I'm a mess up. I, I, am, I am not uh, worthy to come into his presence. But listen what God did. Jesus, like Moses, ascended a mountain that we could never go up. And that mountain was called Calvary. And on that mountain, Jesus went up in the presence of God, and he took the sins of the whole world onto himself. And I want you to think about that trek up the pathway of Mount Calvary. It might as well have been the pathway on up to Mount Zion, which is heaven. And what Jesus was doing was forging a path that we didn't have to work toward. We just had to grab his hand and walk with him up to the top of the mountain. He made a way where there was no way. He made a pathway. That's what Jesus did. But I want you to know, if we don't embrace the reality of Mount Sinai, we'll never cherish and worship Jesus for what he did on Mount Calvary. Hear that again. If we don't see Mount Sinai, we can never come and just let loose, sing, listen to the word of God, go love our kids well, go love our significant others well. We can never go and love people and make disciples if we don't see God for who he is and what he's done. This is the heart of worship. Everything flows from the gospel message. One of my favorite quotes, Thomas Watson said this, until, until sin is bitter, Christ won't be sweet. Hear that again, until sin is bitter. So I want you to imagine, as we're talking about mountains, you know, the Bible says that God is a just God and that as we see, when we come into his presence, if he came, he's going to judge sin. That's just going to happen. So I want you to imagine a mountain erupting, erupting. A, a volcanic mountain, and lava is rushing down the hill, and we're at the base of the mountain, and man, we're, we're done. We can't run. If y'all have ever seen it happen, brother, I don't care if you got some, I know the Olympics on some Usain Bolt in you. You ain't getting past the lava. You can't run. And so all we're doing, we're ready to embrace it. And a man jumps in front of us, 
and says, stand back. And he takes all the wrath on himself. It's a perfect funnel. And he takes everything coming out of that mountain that was desired for us, that was meant for us and our brokenness. He said, I'll take it. I'll take all this. And if you would place your faith in me, man, you can come up the mountain with me. You can come be with God for all eternity. This, brothers and sisters, is the gospel. And I wanna, I wanna finish with this passage, Romans 3, 21 through 24. I want you to read it with me. So we got done. We've seen that the law is the x-ray machine, but it can't provide the cure. I love the Bible so much because Romans 3 now gives us the cure. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, verse 22. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. Now, I want you to start this. No matter who you are, I don't care how bad you think you are when you came in here. Listen, we're all level at the foot of the cross. Right? Our sin is seen the same in God's sight. We just saw this. That maybe you feel like you've had to clean up to come here. But listen, God has said, I've done the cleaning up so I can meet you here. Right? This is who God is. This is what he's done. No matter who you are. For everyone has sinned and has fallen short of God's glorious standard. Now, verse 24. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus, through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. And what God says is this, is through faith in Christ, we can be made right with the holy God. And we live out of freedom, right? That we worship. We don't live hoping to be saved. We live because we have been. We, we don't live hoping to get good enough for God. We see that God has given us the free invitation to receive Jesus by faith. If you're, if you're new to church and you wonder why people sing and you're kind of new to the church scene, and, and listen, man, I, I've come to church before and I think, man, this is kind of, kind of, I, I don't know if I can jihaw with this. They all look so, you know, whatever. Listen, it, it's the real deal. This is the why of the, the songs and the celebration. It's because we're celebrating Jesus doing for something for us we could never do for ourselves. Amen. And so today, if you're, if you're new or you just say, man, I, I don't think I've ever done that. I think, I think I've never placed my faith in Christ. Well, I want to encourage you, man. You don't have to go home and go get your house in order and clean up and then say, okay, now I'm ready. Jesus just told us he's made a way. And what I want you to do is we're, gonna, we're about to partake in communion and we're going to sing a song. Um, I, I want you to let us know. You can come find me. You can find a blue connector or you can go on our QR codes and say, like, I, I'm, today's the day I want to come to know Jesus, right? And so that's the, the beautiful message. And so what we're about to do is we're going to take communion. And you see all the people moving. Um, and what communion is, is it is remembering the news that I just shared with you. It's to remembering what Christ has done for us. That if you're in Christ, if you've placed your faith in Christ... Well, this is one of the ways we celebrate. And maybe today the gospel has become kind of stale or we just haven't heard that freshness of why we worship, why we serve, why we give, why we evangelize, why we do everything we do as believers. We do it all because of the gospel, because God's worthy of our life. He's worthy for us to fight sin. He's worthy for us to obey. He's worthy for us to gather with the believers. He's worthy for us to sing. He's worthy for us to love our spouse. He's worthy for us to disciple our kids. He's worthy of our life.
And so as our connectors come forward, as we pass out uh, communion, I wanna share what, what God says. He says that we're to take bread and you'll find a wafer. And he says, this is my body broken for you. That when I went up to Calvary, they broke my body so that you wouldn't have to be. And he said, this juice, this is my blood. And he said, this is the blood poured out for me, for you on the cross. And he says, because of what I did, man, you'll never have to suffer judgment. You'll never have uh, to, to, to be punished or suffer those things. And so what I want to encourage you uh, is we get ready to partake, to think about that. And if you will, if you'd like to partake in communion, they're gonna come forward, is that right? They're gonna, they're gonna come to you, okay. Connectors, you can go ahead and start passing out communion. And I want you to know that this is a sweet gift for uh, believers. And so if you're kind of on the fence about that, man, you feel free uh, to, to kind of think through, man, what is God doing? But man, if you know today, you've heard this message and God has come to, to change your life, to save you. I want to encourage you to take communion. Let that be your first step. Let that be your first step of worshiping Jesus with your life. And this is why we worship. It's not just about how good or bad we are. It's about how worthy he is, that he is worthy of our life. And that Christianity isn't about behavior modif modification. It's about heart transformation. And the Bible says in Ezekiel 36, he says, I'll give you a new heart. He says, the one that you realize, man, has lived in sin and been about sin. He says, I'll take that heart out and I'll give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart, a heart that will make you different, that, that you'll desire the things of me. You'll want to be with me. And I'm telling you, I was a hard-headed dude, man, just a tough old guy that didn't want anything to do with Christ. And man, he, he gave me a new heart. And I'm so grateful uh, that... that I can worship Jesus forever with you guys in all eternity. So as we get ready, I know we're passing uh, a few more out, but if you'll take the bread and Jesus said, this is my body, eat and do this in remembrance of me. And you can take the bread. Then he took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And he says, do this and do this often. Do this in remembrance of me. And what this is, is my blood I poured out on Calvary to save us from our sin. You can take the cup. I just want y'all to know something, man. I, I am not a perfect pastor, far from a perfect preacher. But I do genuinely desire for you to come to know Christ. And I want you to know that, that I really do believe this message. And that's why I stand here week after week, because I love him and I love you. And so no matter where we are in our faith, I pray that today is a great reminder of the why. And I pray I've served you well by preaching the truth. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship in a manner worthy of the gospel. Lord, we love you. Thank you for these men and women. What an incredible privilege it is to stand and open your word.
God, especially reading about today, God, what a privilege it is to have the opportunity to preach your, your word and to preach the gospel. Lord, your word says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. God, I'm trusting you with that. And Lord, I'm just so grateful. And all our brothers and sisters online, I pray that God is moving and stirring in their lives as well. So Lord, we love you. And I love this body. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.